0: Chapter 27 of In Search of Treasure by Horatio Alger, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 27 Guy and the Captain A strong, resolute man makes himself respected. Abner Titcomb had asserted his manhood and faced the Captain fearlessly. Autocrat as he aspired to be, Captain Richmond did not dare to go to the lengths he intended he made a show of maintaining his authority by ordering james lowe below and restricting him to bread and water this was not on the whole a hardship as it gave the poor fellow what he needed complete rest feverish as he was also the scanty diet was not on the whole undesirable at the end of twenty-four hours he felt better and returned to his work the captain did not molest him further though he was seen at times to look at him with a contracted brow as if he hated him for the present at least however he desisted from any further persecution and as lowe did his duty faithfully he gave his captain no excuse for ill-treatment the weather was on the whole favorable and in due time they reached the Indian Ocean. As they drew nearer the group of islands, one of which, as Guy believed, contained the mysterious treasure of which he was in search, Guy became restless and excited. He held conferences with his two assistants and managed to excite their interest, though he found that they were not so sanguine as himself. I have heard such stories before, said Abner Titcomb and though it may all be true you must not be too much disappointed if you don't find what you expect i shall certainly be disappointed mr titcomb my uncle's letter was so direct and circumstantial that it carried conviction of its truth to my mind no doubt he believed it himself but the sailor from whom he got his information may have been spinning a yarn you must remember mr titcomb that he was on his deathbed. That is hardly a time to spin yarns. True, and I hope his story was correct. It was certainly natural. Granted that there are pirates, they would be likely to have a place of concealment for their booty. I don't say anything against that, Guy. The two men, though in Guy's employ, were in the habit of calling him by his first name. At any rate, Luke and I are ready to cooperate with you and help you in every way to secure this treasure. I don't doubt that, Mr. Titcomb. I feel sure of your fidelity. The time came when it would be necessary to deviate from the usual course and make for the islands. Not a word had been exchanged between Guy and the captain on this subject since the first day of the voyage, and he thought it well to bring the matter once more to the attention of the Osprey's commander captain richmond he said one day as that officer was about to leave the deck i should be glad to have a few words with you the captain regarded guy with an unpleasant frown and said sneeringly perhaps you have some advice to give me as to the management of the vessel you are mistaken sir said guy with dignity i wish to speak to you about the business which has brought me on board very well, I will listen to what you have to say. They were now in the cabin. Guy took a seat opposite the captain and began. I believe you know in a general way the object of my expedition. I know very little about it, said the captain indifferently. It is desirable that you should know definitely. you understand that I wish to visit one of the Agalagus islands, which one? I can't tell yet. Then it looks as if we were bound on a fool's errand. No, I have a description of the particular island I want to visit, explicit enough for me to identify it when I see it. What do you know about these islands? Are they inhabited? I don't know. What do you know about them? asked the captain rudely. Very little. It is not necessary that I should know much. The main point is this. I have reason to believe that, on the island I seek, there is concealed somewhere a large treasure, stored there years since by a band of pirates. Captain Richmond laughed incredulously. That is an old woman's tale, he said. And it is to find this treasure that you want me to turn aside from my course and waste perhaps a couple of months? Guy was provoked at the other's words and manner. I don't think, Captain Richmond, he said, there is any reason to complain of this. You, or rather your owners, will be well compensated for any prolongation of the voyage. I suppose we are to be paid out of this fabulous treasure, sneered the captain. No, sir. My principal, Mr. Saunders, of Bombay, is abundantly able to pay what he has contracted to do, even if the treasure proves fabulous as you suggest so you talked him into a belief in its existence as to that he thinks there is sufficient chance of its existence to warrant the outlay he has made then i don't think much of his good judgment it does not seem to me captain richmond that this concerns anyone except himself it is merely a business venture how long do you expect me to cruise round among these islands asked the captain evidently in bad humor i can't say yet of course i shall want to make a thorough search and in the meantime the osprey is to lie at anchor and all on board are to fold their hands as to that i have no control it may be interesting to you to explore the islands at any rate you will be paid for your time i shouldn't like this thing to get out i should become a laughing-stock i don't see why you will simply be carrying out the instructions of your owners what more have you to say to me mr fenwick as the captain pronounced guy's name his inflection was sarcastic but guy did not expect courtesy from this quarter and he chose to take no notice of the slur were you ever in the neighborhood of the igalagas islands captain richmond no and i presume very few skippers have had occasion to go anywhere near them except of course your friends the pirates i suppose it will soon be necessary to change your course so as to steer for them i think you can safely leave that to me mr fenwick did you seek this interview in order to give me advice no captain only to have an understanding though you don't seem to have a favourable opinion of my chances of success i am sure you will help me so far as lies in your power (laughs) returned the captain i don't know that i am called on to do anything except to sail among the islands and give you a chance to pick out the one you are in search of if you will allow me i will read you a short description of the island go on it is well wooded to within a mile of the shore toward the centre there is a hill or slight eminence perhaps a hundred and fifty feet in altitude the extent of it probably five miles by eight the island seems to be quite large do you expect to dig it all over before giving up your search that will not be necessary i have some directions as to the place where the treasure is hidden this seems very much like a fairy tale mr fenwick would you like my opinion of this man who has sent you on such a wild goose chase you can express it to me if you like captain richmond said guy with dignity then i think he's a blooming idiot neither more nor less this was said in a very offensive tone I don't think, Captain Richmond, that you will find many persons in Bombay who will agree with you in your estimate of Mr. Saunders's character. Blooming idiots don't, as a general thing, succeed in business as he has done. Captain Richmond listened to these words with an ironical smile, and Guy left his presence satisfied that he could expect no help from him beyond what he felt obliged to give. End of chapter 27